Revelation chapter 3 this morning, we come to the seventh and final message to the churches that we see here in, in this part of the book. And uh, moving beyond this, uh, Brother Ray, we'll, we'll see a little bit more of the throne room of heaven and then uh, pretty quickly thereafter uh, into the prophetic content uh, of the book. But uh, of course, this morning we come to the seventh message, which is uh, famously uh, to the church of Laodicea. Uh, this is the church that the Lord characterized Brother Ernie as, uh, good to see you today, sir, uh, lukewarm, uh, neither hot in their faith, in their walk with the Lord, uh, or cold, uh, but lukewarm. And, and of course, the Lord did not desire that at all. He did not desire that. Uh, we'll begin this morning here in Revelation 3, as we've said, verse 14, um, the church at Laodicea. And I'll say a couple more things by way of introduction. Uh, this church is, is also a church uh, that would be in modern-day Turkey, uh, the Roman province of Asia, as we've seen with the other churches. Uh, this church, Brother Mike, would be very close to uh, Colossae, uh, which we know uh, from the book of uh, Colossians. It'll be 11 miles, just 11 miles west of Colossae. I'm going I'm to share one thing and, and ask you to keep it in mind. At Colossae, uh, again, just about uh, 11 miles um, from uh, Laodicea, uh, there were pretty well-known springs. Uh, we know Stafford Springs in our area. Uh, it, was, it was somewhat famous for the springs uh, that were there at Colossae. Keep that in mind because that would have been uh, familiar to the people at Laodicea, and that might factor in uh, to some of the language the Lord uses here uh, in his message to this church. Uh, we, we looked last week at possibility that Lord uh, used Brother Ray some of the history um, t uh, regarding Philadelphia and uh, the earthquake history in his message to that church. Uh, perhaps he's using uh, his perfect knowledge of the geography of, of the area here uh, to make his message very relevant to the church uh, here as well. Um, let's just jump in. Uh, Revelation 3, uh, verse 14, uh, the Lord begins uh, identifying himself and, and, and sharing attributes regarding himself, uh, as we've seen in the other messages. Uh, he says to John, unto the angel or pastor, is how we understand that, of the church, the assembly of the Laodiceans, write, and here's what he's to write, these things saith, uh, and then three descriptors the Lord uses uh, of himself. He calls himself the amen. He calls himself the faithful and true witness. Uh, and then he calls himself the beginning of the creation of God. Praise God. These are uh, these are wonderful, truthful descriptions of Christ that uh, he uses of himself. So let's, let's consider them each quickly. He calls himself the amen. Uh, this is also translated verily. We know it means truly, Brother Ray. Uh, and if, if someone is, is true, they are trustworthy. And so uh, the amen, the verily, the one who is true, uh, certainly implies his, his trust uh, worthiness. Uh, last week uh, in verse 7, uh, in the Lord's message to Philadelphia, uh, the Lord described himself as he that is holy, uh, he that is true. 
perfectly true. Lord, thank you for your perfect truth. Uh, I think we looked at Revelation 15:3, where the angels uh, of the tribulation are singing, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints. That's pretty good worship, Brother Gary. Uh, wonderful worship of the angels. Uh, in 2 Samuel 7, David uh, says, O Lord God, thy words be true. Mike, that's not a hopeful prayer. That, that's a worshipful prayer. He's, uh, he's praying and, and thanking the Lord that his words are true, objectively true. Uh, objectively true and unchanging. Uh, in Psalm 19:9, David wrote, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The individual words of God and every one of them, all of them are absolutely perfectly true. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? We don't have to worry about that. The Bible says this is truth uh, and the Holy Spirit ministers, ministers to us that those words are true. Uh, praise God. So Jesus calls himself the amen, the verily, the truly one, the true one. Uh, if, if this is true, he can be trusted. Ernie, why would he call himself this here? Well, he's, there's a message for that church. Uh, he wants the church to be reminded that this message is true. It's from the one who is true, and therefore it can uh, be trusted. Uh, Jesus calls himself the faithful uh, and true witness. That, that just fits. Uh, he is faithful. He is true. Uh, praise God. Uh, and then uh, an idea that's unique in the message to the churches, he calls himself the beginning of the creation uh, of God. Was Jesus present at creation? Amen. He absolutely was. The Bible, uh, the Bible says that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit uh, were present, working cooperatively uh, at, at the creation. Uh, turn to John 1.1. Let's, let's look there very quickly. Of course, John 1.1 is very familiar to you. Uh, John chapter 1, John's gospel, John 1. Uh, what does Jesus call himself in, in that verse? He calls himself the the word, the, the word. Um, in John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, John records, in the beginning was the word, and we understand that that is a, a reference to Christ, uh, in the beginning, and the word was with God, and, and the word was God. Not God the Father, but God the Son, uh, co-equal with the Father. Uh, John writes, the same was in the beginning uh, with God. It's a wonderful reminder that Christ has not created as part of the creation. Of course, he, he came into the world as a man, uh, but, but he is creator, not, not the created one. Uh, he's begotten of the Father, we understand that, but he, he has no beginning. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, then John says in verse 3, and, forgive me, all things were made by him. Uh, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so, uh, yeah, Jesus is the beginning of the creation uh, of God. That's what he says uh, in Revelation 3, 14. Uh, he's the true one. We understand these words are true. Um, Colossians 1, 
verse 16 and 17. You can go there if you want. I'll, I'll just share these verses quickly. Uh, bring forth the same idea. Uh, there, Brother Ray, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, uh, 11 miles east of Laodicea. Uh, regarding Christ, he says, by him were all things created, uh, all things that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things uh, were created by him and for him, by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things uh, consist. Uh, I really, Mike, I, I appreciate verse 17 there, the last part of what I just read so much, because it makes clear that Christ is not only creator of all things, but sustainer of all things. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. By him all things consist. Uh, praise God. Uh, Brother Ray, that, that's a wonderful truth. Um, he, is, he is creator. He is sustainer. Uh, physicists don't really understand how it is that uh, everything is sustained. They, they can only uh, theorize uh, how... how uh, what they would call the universe is, is sustained and, and held together and functions uh, as they believe they observe. They can only theorize. Brother Ray, the, the word of God reveals the, the truth. Christ is the sustainer. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Well, come back to Revelation 3. Calls himself the amen, uh, the faithful and true witness, uh, the beginning of the creation of God. He was present and actively creating creation uh, it, during the six-day creation week in, in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, co-creating all things with the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's our Savior. Um, so he, he addresses the church, uh, reminds them of his credentials, if you will. Uh, I, I'm, I'm this one, the creator of all things, delivering this message or, or giving this message uh, to the church at Laodicea. And I'll remind us, uh, as I have been, these messages, of course, are, are for us also, Brother Ray. Uh, they were given first and, and specifically to individual churches, but they're in, in our Bible because they are also for us. The Lord intends for us to receive these words as well. Uh, so it's in verse 15 where the Lord uh, famously uh, condemns them for being lukewarm. See verse 15. He says, I know thy works, uh, which is, he said that uh, um, commonly. Uh, I, I, I see, I, I know your service, your actions. I know everything there is about you, church. He knows everything about our church also. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Uh, I would that thou were cold or hot. I would rather, I would prefer that you were one or the other. Uh, so then, because, verse 16, thou art lukewarm, uh, neither cold nor hot, he says, I will spew thee uh, out of my mouth, uh, as if uh, you... you uh, got a cup of water from the sink, and it was just kind of lukewarm. You, you expected it to be cold, uh, but it, was, it wasn't cold, by the way. It was just warmish. Uh, maybe it sat in the car in the sun for a while, and you were like, bah, bah, I want to spit that out. Maybe you wouldn't, but uh, the Lord says, uh, neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee 
uh, out of my mouth. Now, uh, the language that, that he's using just uh, offer the possibility uh, that this might be an allusion to those springs over in Colossae, just be a short distance from, from Laodicea. Uh, not my original thought, certainly, but it's, it's theorized that this language might be used uh, to, this sort of word picture might be used with this church because this idea would be familiar to them as people who would be familiar with these springs. Maybe the water came out not hot, not cold, but lukewarm and really wasn't good to drink uh, is uh, kind of the theory. I, I just uh, recently learned uh, of that possibility and so I wanted to share that with you. It's interesting. Uh, the Lord knows not only their actions, but everything about the church uh, the area, the geography, uh, and so he can borrow from uh, Brother Ray uh, their history, as he did with the last prior church and with this church, the geography, to deliver the message in a way that would be understood, uh, relatable, uh, and, and powerful. I understand his word's powerful no matter what, but uh, relatable uh, certainly uh, would be the case here also. He says, thou art lukewarm, uh, neither cold uh, nor hot. Uh, they weren't uh, dead spiritually like the Sardis church, uh, but neither were they on fire for the Lord. Uh, they're not spiritually dead. They're not, they're not just completely ignoring the Lord. They're not, they're not just uh, living their lives as if they were lost people, Brother Ray but there's no fire in their belly for the Lord. They're not even close uh, to on fire for the Lord. Uh, see again, the Lord says, I, I would or I would rather uh, that thou wert cold or hot rather than being lukewarm. Uh, he desired that they, they, they would just pick one, be, be cold spiritually or be hot spiritually, uh, but not in the middle. Here, here's what I wrote in my notes. Choosing to be cold uh, is more honest than being a lukewarm pretender. Uh, it's better to be obviously unwell than to go through life pretending uh, to be okay. If you're obviously unwell, it's easier to find uh, and to accept help. Well, amen. Uh, I wrote this also. A lukewarm person tends to feel wrongly that they're doing just fine. Uh, someone who's spiritually lukewarm, uh, they're not cold, Brother Ray, they're not lost, they're not completely ignoring the Lord. They're, maybe they're, you know, they're, they pray a little, they're in their Bible a little, maybe they even sprinkle in a little church attendance and a little service. Um, but they're, they're not on fire for the Lord. I wrote in my notes, a lukewarm person tends to feel wrongly that they're doing just fine. They tend to have a false sense of spiritual health. They're not cold uh, and dead, so they must be okay. Uh, but the Lord doesn't want us to be doing just okay. Amen? The uh, Lord doesn't want us to be just okay spiritually, kind of limping into church spiritually, limping kind of back into the week, maybe serving, maybe praying. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want us to be doing just okay. I wrote, uh, and I believe, he wants believers who are hot, burning with a burden uh, to walk closely with him, to serve him, uh, and to reach others. I wrote this in my notes also. Stop and think about this for a second. 
if you're not hot, if, if, if you're not on fire for the Lord, and you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Amen? That's a, that's a hard truth. If you're not on fire for the Lord, and you're not just absolutely cold either, you're lukewarm. <sighs> Gary, I don't like that. that you know, that, it's convicting, and it's, it's unpleasant, but that just follows logically, right? If you're not cold, if you're not hot on fire for him, uh, we are lukewarm today. Brother Ray, that's a, that's a hard truth. It's a hard truth because that's um, unpleasant to the Lord. Uh, that's offensive to him. Uh, how do I know that? Well, he says, if you're not cold and you're not hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, I, I don't want to be close. Uh, it's, it's, it's not good for him. It's not good for us. It's not good for him. Uh, the Lord literally said that he desired to vomit them out uh, like, like you might want to spit out lukewarm water. Uh, not a good thing. Um, Revelation 4.11, I'll remind us this morning, says we're here for the Lord's pleasure. And uh, evidently, there's no pleasure in lukewarm believers. Lord, help us to get a hold of this idea. If I'm not on fire for you, the best I could be is lukewarm. And, and Lord, help me to remember that you, you want to put out the lukewarm uh, believer. Lord, help me to be on fire for you. Uh, as I've been preparing for lesson this morning, I've I, I prayed, Lord, if, if I'm lukewarm, uh, you know, show me that, convict me of that, give me a heart to be on fire for you again. Uh, and maybe we all just need to kind of stop and say, Lord, show me, search my heart today. Um, if, if I'm not on, and we know, right, if I'm not on fire for you, show me that, convict me about that. Lord, help me to be on fire for you again. Um, and so the Lord says he condemns them for being lukewarm. That, that's condemnable in, in the Lord's eyes. Um, he also gives the cause. So, Mike, if, they're, if their um, spiritual condition is diagnosed as lukewarm, that, that's like an illness. It's like a spiritual, they're not spiritually well. It's more like they're spiritually ill. Um, if you had a physical illness, there'd be a cause, right? Doctors work to find the cause, if they can, so that they can treat it. Uh, the Lord gives a cause also. Uh, he, he tells them um, that, at least for them uh, in, in that church, many of them uh, were so rich materially that they could not see their spiritual poverty, they, they were blinded to how impoverished they allowed themselves to be spiritually uh, because they were looking to and finding satisfaction in material things rather than in spiritual things. And Gary, when I say spiritual things, that would really be the Lord, right? Uh, you can look to the things of the world for satisfaction. Uh, or you can look to the Lord for satisfaction. And if you're, boy, if you're looking somewhere other than to him, uh, the Lord reveals here, that's going to contribute to a lukewarmness spiritually. And that just makes sense, right? That's, that, that just follows logically. Uh, if you're looking somewhere else than to the Lord, your walk with him, your zeal for him, the, the fire that maybe you once had from it, it's going to begin to cool down. 
Uh, by the way, something that begins to cool down, if it's not heated back up again, eventually becomes what? Right? Right? Lukewarm water, if it's left on its own, uh, it'll, it'll just continue to cool down. You had a thought. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Lord, Lord's calls to demonstrate love uh, any number of ways, and that, that would include sharing what we have, right? Um, Gary, I would, I would take it a step further. Whether you're rich, whether you have much, or whether you have little, we understand we're, we're called to share what we have as, as demonstration of love, right? It follows logically, I think, that someone who has a lot, Lord probably desires that they would share a lot more than someone who has less, but, but certainly uh, I would agree. Uh, we haven't looked at the verse. Look, look at verse 17. He says, Lord says to them, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods uh, and have need of nothing uh, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Uh, and he goes on from there. But uh, the verse seems, uh, seems to indicate that um, they have a lot materially, but, but they, they, and so again, they, they don't recognize how impoverished they are spiritually. I think it's important to say the Lord is not saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, it's, it's wrong to, uh, to treat the poor in an unjust way. It's wrong not to share uh, in love as, as God leads. It's wrong not to give uh, as the Lord has requested. Certainly nothing wrong with being wealthy. Uh, unless you uh, don't handle your wealth uh, biblically. And in this case, again, it would seem to be the case these folks have allowed their wealth to blind them to their spiritual condition. They're looking to their wealth rather than to their Lord. He says, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knoweth not, uh, you don't know that you're spiritually wretched uh, and miserable and poor, poor spiritually uh, and blind. You can't even see your real condition uh, and in a sense naked. Let's, let's consider these words here uh, just for a moment. Wretched uh, has the, the underlying word has a literal idea of, um, of uh, bearing, the, uh, bearing the effect uh, or weight of some, some kind of trial. Be going through a, a really difficult thing, uh, maybe for a long period of time. Maybe there's been a long-term illness, and, it, and, it, and it's affected your your appearance uh, significantly. Uh, th this is the literal idea of, of the word wretched. Uh, they they've been uh, in this spiritually impoverished state for so long that there's an obvious outward. Uh, visibility, an outward appearance, Brother Ray, of their inward condition. Um, they, they've allowed themselves for so long to look to their wealth rather than to their Lord that's affected them inwardly, spiritually. But you know, your inward state, your inward condition ultimately affects your, your outward zeal for the Lord, right? If, if there's no inward fire for the Lord, there's probably not much visible zeal, visible action 
uh, for the Lord. There may be some, uh, there may be some, but there's a difference. Uh, there's a difference, there's an effect. He says they're, they're miserable. The other line, underlying word has the idea of pitiful. Uh, Lord says this, this is just pitiful. This is a miserable state that you are in. You've allowed yourself to look to your wealth rather than to your Lord. Uh, it's affecting you spiritually. It's causing you to be lukewarm. It's causing your zeal uh, to cool off. Uh, you're wretched. This is pitiful. In, in the Lord's eyes, allowing yourself to get to this place is, uh, it's, it's a miserable, it's a pitiful thing. He says, you're poor, you're actually poor. You may be wealthy in material things, but you're impoverished, you're poor uh, in, in spiritual things. Uh, and that's a far greater poverty than being materially poor, right? Uh, if you had to pick material poverty or spiritual poverty, I know there'd be a temptation to say, um, well, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be uh, materially poor, but um, I don't want to be, you know, I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, spiritual poverty is, is a serious thing. It's, it's a far worse state than being uh, materially or financially poor. The Lord says all, all of this has is blinded you. Uh, you're blinded to the truth. You're blinded. You, you can't even see uh, this condition that you're in. You've, you've allowed yourself to become blinded uh, to the state that you're in. And the last word here, I want, to spend, I want to spend a couple minutes on the last word. He says they're poor and blind and what? Naked. Now, na naked, uh, uh, nudity, nakedness, uh, is, is used of the Lord uh, to picture uh, various things throughout Scripture, um, all the way back to the garden, right? Um, Adam and Eve uh, first recognized that they were unclothed. They, when? After what? After they sinned, right? There, there was no shame uh, in that before they sinned. They didn't even recognize um, that, that there was any issue at all uh, until they sinned. And of course, you recall that when they sinned and became aware of their state, Brother Ray, and, and now there was a shame in it, they tried to cover up their, the, the effect of their sin and their shame themselves, right? You, you remember that. What did they use? The, the leaves, right? Uh, so it's, it's been said that was man's first attempt uh, at creating his own religion, right? Trying to cover their effect of their sin themselves. And of course, you know, all the false religions of the world are the same thing. They're just different expressions of, of that same idea, trying to deal with the effect of their sin and the shame and uh, everything that comes with that themselves, rather than by grace through faith, the Lord Jesus uh, shed the blood of an animal and, and covered them. Um, uh, Lord, uh, Revelation 3.21, Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and, and clothe them. He shed the blood uh, of an animal, made coats of skin uh, and clothed them, which is an obvious allusion to the cross, right? Blood had to be shed to properly cover them uh, in, in God's eyes. And so um, what is the Lord saying here when he, when he calls them naked? I, I think... I think he's, he's saying to them, Brother Ray, it's, it's as if they're, they're almost acting like they're lost people, people, people whose sins have, have not been covered. 
Uh, they, they, they're, they've allowed themselves to be lukewarm, to be looking to things other than the Lord for what they need. Uh, their, their zeal is cooling off as a result of that. Naturally, it would. Uh, and they've, they've gotten to this point where they're wretched, they're miserable, they're spiritually poor, blinded to their condition, uh, and, and naked, I believe, in the sense that they, they look almost like people who've not been saved people whose sins uh, have not been covered uh, by the Lord. Um, turn back to Isaiah 61, if you would. We, we studied all the way through Isaiah recently. Um, praise God that the Lord has covered us. He has covered our sins. Uh, he has clothed us in righteousness. Um, Isaiah 61 and verse 10 um, take, take you a minute to get there. Sorry, I should give you a little more time. Uh, is an allusion to the, the truth that we are clothed spiritually in uh, Christ. Isaiah 61 and verse 10, Isaiah writes under inspiration, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul uh, shall be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Uh, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, uh, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. We, of course, are, are the, will be are the bride of Christ. And so it's, it's wonderful, wonderful language. The Lord uh, hath clothed us with salvation. He's covered us with the robe of righteousness. Brother Ray, that's the great truth that uh, because of the cross, the righteousness of Christ is imputed or, or paid on to our account, uh, making it possible for us to be clothed in righteousness uh, in, in God's eyes. And of course, there's, there's many other verses uh, that we could look at. Uh, come back to Revelation, if you would. Uh, come back to Revelation. Uh, flip back there, if you would. Um, in Revelation 6, 11, uh, these, these are the tribulation martyrs, it would seem, that are in view here. Uh, so by the time we get into Revelation 6, it's, it's prophecy. Uh, no longer, uh, no longer is, is John speaking to uh, regarding the present, but giving prophecy to the churches. Uh, Revelation 6.11 refers to uh, white robes uh, given unto every one of them. So the tribulation, those, those who will be saved... Uh, following tribulation uh, and uh, suffering martyrdom uh, in the tribulation will be clothed with white robes. Uh, if you flip ahead to chapter 16 and verse 15, uh, others living in the tribulation are urged to live as those uh, who've been covered with the righteousness of Christ, not naked. Revelation 16, 15, uh, Jesus says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, uh, and they see his shame. And so that seems to be a, a message to people in the tribulation who, who are saved. Hey, don't, don't, don't walk through whatever days the Lord allows you to have uh, like lost people. Uh, you've, you've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, you're not spiritually naked. You, you've been clothed with his righteousness. Don't walk like someone who's unclothed, someone who's not been saved. 
uh, comport yourself, live your life in a manner that's consistent with uh, someone who's been saved, clothed with the righteousness uh, of God. And so this, this theme of, of nakedness, a constant, recognizing nakedness, consequence of sin, uh, and, and then being clothed with the Lord's righteousness as an answer to that all the way through Scripture, uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, Isaiah, uh, Revelation, other places kind of in between. So you come back to our, our passage quickly, uh, Revelation 3, 17. The Lord says, uh, he calls them naked. Brother Ray, I don't think he's saying that they're lost. I mean, there, there probably are some people in that church who are lost. But I think he's saying, hey, you're acting like people who are lost. Uh, you're, you're, you're allowing yourself to be lukewarm on your way to cold uh, you're allowing yourself to, to look and act like lost people rather than people who've been clothed in, in the righteousness of Christ. Same message he gave tribulation folks in the tribulation later on in Revelation 16. This is not good. This is not good. They've been careless. Uh, they've been looking to the wrong place for satisfaction in life, uh, and it's had a spiritual consequence. So Lord says you're, you're lukewarm. That's his diagnosis. Uh, he's He's um, uh, looked at, in their case at least, the cause of, of the problem, uh, looking to the wrong place for satisfaction, for uh, contentment, uh, and ha having given the diagnosis and the cause, uh, he offers a prescription or a spiritual solution also. Look at verse 18. He says, I counsel thee uh, to buy of me gold uh, tried in the fire. So, if they've been, Mike, looking to buy other things in the world for satisfaction, we do that sometimes, right? Got to have that newest thing because that'll, that'll satisfy me. That, that'll help me to feel content. Maybe it does for a short time, and then the next thing comes. Uh, I counsel thee to buy of me gold uh, tried in the fire, that or so that thou mayest be rich, not materially, but spiritually, He's saying, look, uh, if, if you want to be spiritually nourished so that you can be on fire for me again, you're going to have to look to me. Buy of me gold tried in the fire, that or so that uh, thou mayest be rich spiritually again. Uh, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the, the shame of thy nakedness do not appear uh, and, anoint, and also anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that word only appears here and anywhere in the Bible, that thou mayest see. There's a lot there. We could spend a lot of time on it. We don't have a lot of time this morning, but a simple basic idea is clear. Stop looking elsewhere Look to me for what you need to be spiritually well again, uh, to be spiritually nourished. Uh, Brother Ray, how do you look to the Lord? You, you, you pray, you get into his word, you feed upon his words, you respond to them with worshipful prayer, uh, and, and little by little, you're built up again spiritually, right? Maybe you were a little sickly, but as you start to get good, proper spiritual nourishment again, you're edified, you're built up spiritually. Uh, you've been in church, you've been in the Bible, you've been in prayer. Uh, you're, 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 you're being built up again so that you're no longer lukewarm. There can be a real fire in, in the belly again, and a fire that can be 
maintained because it's being fed. Mike, we've done campfires here at the church in the fall a, a lot of years. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again this year. If you don't keep feeding the campfire, it dies down, right? You've you got to keep feeding it. Um, and our walk with the Lord is the same way. You've you got to keep feeding on the words of God. You've got to keep, uh, you, you keep um, feeding uh, for it not to die down. The Lord says, buy of me, come to me, look to me uh, for uh, what you need. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but you can make a note. The Lord said the same thing back in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 1. 55, 1, he said, oh, uh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to, to the, let me try that again, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, come ye buy wine and milk uh, without money, without price. Yeah, come to me. Uh, come, come ye to uh, me, uh, certainly uh, is the idea. Uh, Lord is counseling church members at Laodicea the same way. Come, come to the Lord for what you need. Don't look elsewhere uh, for what you need. Um, he says if they would do that, um, their, their lives would begin to look like the lives of saved people. Uh, implied is that it would look like the life of a a saved person who's on fire for the Lord, uh, they would look uh, more like people that had been clothed in the righteousness of Christ uh, than people who were naked. Uh, and, they, and they would see, they would see their condition. Their eyes would be opened uh, and, and they'd have a greater spiritual vision once again. Um, verse 19, he says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Um, yep, he says, be zealous therefore and repent. Uh, let's look at that verse kind of from the end, back, back to the middle. He says, repent. Repent of allowing yourself to become lukewarm. Uh, repent of the cause. Repent of your choice to look to something other than the Lord uh, for, for contentment, for, to be your spiritual food. Uh, repent of that. See that you've been looking elsewhere, not focusing on the Lord, uh, and that you're spiritually sick, lukewarm, uh, because of that. You, you got to see it for what it is, own it, repent. Uh, and then he says, be zealous. Uh, the word underlying zealous has the literal idea of heat. Uh, it, it literally has the idea of, of heat. Uh, activity uh, that, that produces heat probably is the idea. Uh, repent of being lukewarm and the things that led to that. Uh, look to me again, feed upon me, uh, and be heated up again. Little by little, be heated up so that you're, there's, there's a, uh, a heat uh, for the Lord again. He says in verse 20, famous verse also, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will open the door. Uh, I will come into him and sup with him and, and he with me. Uh, we tend to view that verse as being a verse about salvation. Certainly it can be applied that way, uh, certainly. Uh, but it's, I think so in a sense, that's an invitation to the lost, but it's also in context would seem to be an invitation to the lukewarm or cold believer to return to a hot uh, relationship with the Lord, to, uh, to return to uh, having a, uh, a warm and, and then hot zeal for the Lord again. Um, Verse 21, he says, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So to those who repent and, and take up the answer, there's a reward uh, in eternity, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, uh, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches.
And praise God. That's, that's um, a very, very important message. Uh, we are out of time. We'll stop and, and pray, and, and we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for this message, this passage. We understand this morning how uh, very important it is. Lord, we understand this morning how easy it is to lose our zeal for you, to not be on fire for you. Lord, you've shown us this morning that it's, if, if we're looking somewhere in the world uh, for what we need, for contentment, for satisfaction, Lord, our zeal for you is, is naturally going to die down. Fire that maybe was burning, it burns down unless it's fed with the right things. Lord, help us this morning to see if we're on fire for you or not. Maybe we're not. Lord, if we're not, help us, Lord, give us a heart now to repent of that. Lord, I, I recognize there's not the kind of zeal that there should be. I confess that this morning. Lord, help me to put off the things that are harming my zeal. And Lord, help me to, to begin looking back to you again, feeding on your words and drawing uh, close to you once again, that that fire might be built up again, that it would burn strong and bright. Lord, that it would bring you honor and glory. Lord, help us. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll be back shortly.